Rise and shine. <clears throat> Rise and shine, bitches. <clears throat> Rise and shine, bitches. How do I say it normally? Why do I feel like this is not... Shine, bitches. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Jimmy is currently in a meeting. It is 7 p.m. on Monday night. So, yes, I am single momming it again. Uh, I hope one of you guys listening defrosted the chicken like I told you to this morning. And I hope one of you guys started the rice cooker like I told you to this morning. Just me getting carried away with my uh, momming. Anyways, today, yes, it's just me, Ellie, and uh, my heartburn. My God. I. So. So I got these delicious, they're Goya brand plantain chips, and they're in the hot and spicy flavor. But honestly, they are neither hot nor spicy, to my tongue at least. It's just my esophagus is like tasting all of this fire. Um, I Honestly, I think that's like my least favorite part of getting older is the heartburn. That and me feeling, you know, more and more slowly disillusioned to the harsh realities of the world. But... Yeah, anyways, welcome back to another episode, you guys. Today is going to be a really good one. I have my good friend Katie, who is a pediatric neurosurgery nurse practitioner. Yes, ma'am. I'm excited to speak with her. She's just one of my, like, we're like OG, and she's been one of my good friends over time. Like, she's the kind of person where I feel like I've known her forever, even though I'm pretty sure that was our first time uh, calling each other. But the chemistry is palpable. I love this episode. But... First things first, without further ado, what am I doing? Getting ahead of myself. Let's get into Hot Girl Huddle. Hit it, editing, Connie. Alrighty, you guys. First things first, we have our healthcare horoscopes. Let me grab my tarot cards. Why do I feel like I always start the uh, healthcare horoscopes tarot? tarot cards i always start it sounding like the announcer at um those basketball games where where they're like all right let's get ready to rumble and it's like do 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 like it's like that whole like y'all ready for this sequence (laughs) yeah anyways that was so unnecessary first things first we have our healthcare horoscopes i do have to mention i would be remiss this is revenge of the goya spicy chips right now excuse me anyways as i was saying i would be remiss if i didn't mention to you guys Mercury is back in retrograde. Okay, the bitch is back, you guys. She's in retrograde until the first few days of October. First baby days of October. So between now and then, lay low. Don't buy anything super expensive, especially if it's electronic or has to do with communications. So no ordering new iPhones, you guys. No ordering new laptops, things like that. If you can help it, printer's gonna go, gonna break. Um, don't sign any big contracts. And just be ready for, like, random snafus along the way. Oh, also, don't buy any plane tickets, okay? I see you guys over there. Don't buy the plane tickets. Wait until Mercury is out of retrograde in the first week of October. So, for those of you guys that don't know, Mercury is, like, the planet that rules, like, communication, travel, official contracts, things like that. So, when it goes retrograde, just expect anything in that realm to go haywire. Honestly, I know. So, I got a haircut today. I was very impressed by my ballsiness because I feel like also getting a haircut in things like that like could go wayside but anyways i'll go into that later during spit talk just don't do anything i wouldn't do you guys so basically live under a rock for the next month (laughs) so let me pick the card of the week this is what happens when jimmy isn't here to monitor i always say that i'm his dance mom but since he's not here to listen to, to what i'm saying right now to you guys um for the record, he kind of is a little bit my dance mom in the sense that he keeps me on track, on target. I tend to yammer a little, which is what I'm doing right now. So, 
Without further ado, the card of the week is... Let me pick a good one. Card of the week for the week of September 12th is... The King of Cups, Upside Down. I feel like we already got this one. I feel like it was not a very good one, but it's okay. The reverse King of Cups indicates that you are focusing your attention on your innermost feelings. You're discovering the emotions stored in your subconscious mind and how these emotions affect you. Why do I feel like week after week, I've slowly turned this tarot card reading part into like a dramatic reading? Because I feel like when I first started this, I would be like, oh, the words are this, this, and this. And then by the second week, I was like this, this, and this. And now I'm like, you are discovering the emotions stored. Like, I just like, I don't know why I turned on my like dramatic reading voice anyways <clears throat> where was i through this work <laughs> through this work you hope to gain a stronger sense of control over your emotional well-being so that your feelings don't steer you away from living your best life oh my god amen to that you may read more self-help books journaling journaling or seeking the support of a trained counselor or hypnotherapist so that you can journey deep into your subconscious mind oh my god it says here that uh, so crazy you guys it says here that you guys will binge all of the episodes of just a quick pinch hosted by connie wang an incredible self-help podcast for young women in healthcare it's so uncanny that it says this right now um it also says that you're going to leave a five-star review and rating on apple Podcasts, also spotify podcast you can leave a rating as well thank you very much uh where was i <clears throat> so silly how that happened when the reverse king of cups appears in your spread you may be more prone to emotional upset and drama did we need this right now? Others may trigger you or push your buttons hard, even to where you worry you might lose it and throw an emotional tantrum. You may feel moody, depressed, anxious, and unpredictable. You may also lack in self-compassion, beating yourself up over small things that have gone wrong. If this resonates, seek to understand the root cause of your emotions and bring your conscious awareness to the impact they're having to your life. So pay attention to your emotional balance and find your place of calm. It's tough because my place of calm is like an 800 dollar flight to hawaii anyways the reverse of cups could show that you are repressing your emotions and withdrawing from the outside world as well your feelings are bottling up inside of you and you're at risk for an emotional outburst so if you are at risk of this consider finding a therapist to help you work through your feelings so basically lots of feelings what else is new so anyways i hope that you guys took away something good from that healthcare horoscopes tarot card reading now Onto I asked, you answered, and then we discussed extensively at length. Alrighty, you guys. So this week for I asked, you answered, and then we discussed extensively at length. Um, because I neither asked you guys anything, nor is Jimmy here for me to ask him anything. Um, I thought it would be fun if instead we did something that one of our listeners suggested one of our fellow pinchers here thank you gracie banning she recommended that i do a journal prompt of the week which i kind of love because a you guys know how much i love to journal b you guys know how much i love to give you a prompt to think about and c you guys know how often i kind of mess up this whole i asked you answered kind of thing so this is helpful so anyways i scoured the internet and pinterest for a good journal prompt to give you guys for this week and this week the prompt i'm giving you guys is it's one of those fill in the blank ones. So it is, I am powerful because blank. So write that down in your journals. Think about that in your head. I am powerful because, and give yourself a reason. And I think this is just a really nice, unique prompt because I feel like there's something different about phrasing it in kind of an affirmation type form. I don't know why it is. I think it's because when you repeat it to yourself, it's like, I am powerful because this this and this it just it kind of helps you embody it a little more 
also i feel like a lot of journal prompts that i saw commonly discuss things like gratitude like i'm grateful for this or like it's like i love this i feel like we rarely talk about our own power um i just like the word powerful and thinking about what makes us powerful because a lot of times i feel like what makes us powerful is not something that is very like traditionally outstanding or noticeable like Something I've realized with time is like the most powerful people are not the loudest ones. The most powerful people are not the pushiest ones. Like the things that you stereotypically think of as powerful. I think it makes you, if you like stop and think for a second, I think the many things that make you powerful are not the things that traditionally on paper are always like what people think about. You know, like someone can be super powerful because of what a good listener they are because then it gives them the power of like taking in all this information that other people tend to miss if they're not good listeners Ooh, that was such a good one if any of you guys are good listeners out there you guys can take that one for this week you're welcome i know no one asked me this i literally asked you guys and now i'm answering it for myself but for an example of how you guys can answer i think i am powerful because i am very delusional <laughs> and um yes my delusions are sometimes like pretty out there and crazy but I think it's really cool sometimes how delusional I am about my own abilities because that means that I'm kind of like limitless in my goals and like where I want to take my future and things like that and that's really powerful because I'm delusional I always say that's my best trait that's how I get anywhere in life is just believe it until you actually get there so anyways that's all I have this week for this fake I asked you answered and we discussed at length which is really just my journal section now on to spit talk Alrighty, you guys, this week for Spit Talk, if you guys have heard a little pep in my step, a little bounce in my voice, it's actually a little bounce in my hair, a little extra volume. So I got my hair done literally today. Like I just got home and then I ran home, ate dinner, like shoved food to my face and then got to recording this. I just got home from getting my hair done. I'm so happy with how it looks. My hairdresser, Fiona, on Instagram, she's from Ogre to Beauty. She is amazing. So what I asked for is I asked for kind of like a darker balayage because it's fall now and I f- and I feel like fall kind of like has this like feeling of darkness and like kind of warmth so I didn't want something super bright and super blonde but I still wanted it to have a little bit of like light dimension brondness so I got like a bronze brownish balayage it's giving you know what it's giving I totally wasn't going for this because I got the kind of brown with blonde highlights look and I asked for long layers and long curtain bangs it's totally giving Rachel Green from Friends in her Ralph Lauren fashion mogul era I don't know I really like this energy I literally felt like a new person walking out of the salon like when she like when she finished the hair took off the drapes I was like oh my god like who is she in the mirror I just felt so good about myself and um it's also kind of incredible because I was walking the dog and I was like is everyone like looking at me right now because I just look so good like it's have you ever like felt such a boost in your confidence that you're convinced everyone is looking at you because you feel so unstoppable to me I don't know that's just what an incredible haircut can do so if you learn anything today you guys it's just go get your haircut right now people I'm really momming you today with all of these things I'm telling you to do. But seriously, go get a haircut. If you feel like you're lacking your mojo or you want to, you know, like start the season fresh back to school. Or if you feel like you just want to feel like a new person, go get a haircut. Other than that, school is going well. So this past Saturday, I actually took and passed my last standardized national board slash licensure exam ever. It was the OSCE. 
it's honestly kind of crazy because I think back to when I first started like my uh like professional career the first test i ever took at one of these like big national uh like pro metric testing centers is when i took the dat so for those of you guys that might not know like these big centers it's like the kind where you walk in and then it's like fucking airport security okay they like give you a pat down take your picture scan your fingerprint actually now that i think about it not even the airport has this much security um but yeah they like do the whole shebang they give you a little locker to put your stuff in and then they literally escort you into this little cubicle where nine out of ten times you will be stuck next to someone that types way too loud or sighs in an annoying way but yeah the the amount of treatment that you get when you're at these big pro metric centers taking a test like you're nervous enough as is and you spent a lot of money probably on a test if you're taking it at those places then they treat you like you're like the president and they're like escorting you to your cubicle but anyways, I digress. I just think it's like kind of cool the amount of growth I've had from since then. Since then, I took the DAT. I took my pharmacy clinical board exam. I took the Massachusetts pharmacy law exam, which I never put to use. Um, I took my dental boards exam. And now I finished my last dental licensure exam. And that's it. That's all she wrote. And I'm feeling pretty good. And it's just uh, like a crazy, like bittersweet kind of feeling because I just realized that like that phase of my life is over now. And as much as a pain as it is, like a pain that it is to study and be in school, I think real life is also kind of a pain. So that makes me like a little sad. I don't know. Hey, Jimmy, is real life a pain? Yes. <laughs> you guys, dad is back. Dad just dad came back, back home. He's home dad in time for dad. dinner. Uh, yeah, he just finished his meeting. But that is all we have this week for the hot girl huddle this oh, week. I know. It was a good one. You're going to have to listen. I Actually, love girls. Jimmy, it's so funny. You will not believe what Biddy Taro told us to do this week. What? Biddy Taro literally said that um, you should go binge all the episodes of Just a Quick Pinch and then leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I don't make the rules here, people. I just read the BiddyTarot.com. I, I mean, yeah, BiddyTarot, they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, episode with Katie, my good friend, who is the pediatric neurosurgery nurse practitioner. She is awesome. Our conversation is flowing. Um, and it's just really fun. I don't know. I just, I feel like we had really great podcasting chemistry and you guys are definitely going to learn something and love her. So without further ado. Okay, guys. So today I'm super excited. I have my good friend Katie here. Katie, how are you? She's applying her lashes currently. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm good minus some uh technical and lash uh complications this morning but you know the usual oh, the, exactly i was just gonna say the usual with the lash complications um don't worry guys today <laughs> so katie i i brought her in because you know she's amazing she's this genius neurosurgery oh my God, stop. Stop. <laughs> pediatric <laughs> nurse practitioner but why i really brought her here was because she uses lashify and i needed the answers on if lashify <laughs> is worth it <laughs> This is, this is the scoop that no one else had, okay? Yeah, yeah, no, I found, like, the gap in the market. I just, like, trapped her <laughs> and wanted to hear from her. Yeah, I mean, um, this is really the unique experience that I have to share. They look like little, like, centipedes. <laughs> yeah, don't they? It's kind of weird. <laughs> that, that's what used to freak out my, like, guy roommates. Like, my lashes would fall off uh, in the shower. And, like, they would, like, step on and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes, yeah, or, like, you know, in college, you, like, had a night out and you just, like, rip them off yeah. and, like, leave them on the sink and, like, a guy friend is like, what are these? <laughs> I know my favorite is if I apply them strategically so it looks like the lamp has lashes. Like, I just love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, happy to talk about lashes by first because 
clearly on my mind right now. So yes, I, yes. Uh, being, you know, part Asian, have straight, short eyelashes mm-hmm. and working in, right. And working in healthcare, like mascara just wasn't working for me because I have oily skin also, which is just a treat. So then mascara just runs everywhere. And when I started my job, like I did not have time to like look in a mirror to make sure I didn't look like a raccoon. So (laughs) (laughs) for the first year of my job, I was wearing falsies, the blue on ones, because I used to dance. So it was so easy for me to put them on. It would take Uh, like 30 seconds. But then every day I was ripping them off of my eyes. So then my like small little Asian lashes are just getting even smaller. Um, so once I, once I started getting a little burnt out in my job, I stopped wearing the lashes and just didn't mm-hmm. wear anything. Mm-hmm. So then I just looked a little bit younger, which like, whatever, that's fine. I like, am comfortable and chilling without lashes on, but, um, I started. That's where I am now with, with school. I'm like, it's okay. Oh, yeah. Like no one needs to know that I have eyelashes. <laughs> I just want to yeah, look like just, I have eyes. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going for fresh face. It's okay. Yes. Love that. <laughs> But then I started, uh, I did lash extensions over the summer because I had a lot of weddings to go to and my friend had started doing them. Um, but your girl does not have the money or time to make appointments and go to like these fills every two or three weeks. So then I started seeing Lashify on, you know, social media. Of course I got influenced, um, and tried it out. So it, I've had it for like a month. Um, I've just started like actually getting used to it. But mm. I don't know. I really like it because you can like switch it up and it lasts for like a few days and they're really easy to take off. I just like, I don't have a steady hand, which is funny because I work in a surgical specialty. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just taking me a little extra time to get used to it. Do, do they come off like in the shower or like, can you rub your eyes or are you trying not to? Um, so for me, I haven't gotten it down to where I can like, or where I feel comfortable washing them. But you can like shower and just like avoid the water hitting your eyes. But if it does hit them, you just like wait for it to dry before you touch them. But there's like these sealy things, sealant, my cats are fighting, sorry. The sealant thing that you can put on them to kind of help make them waterproof that like a lot of people seem to have success with. I'm just like not quite there yet. But I definitely like rub my eyes and I also am a stomach and side sleeper. So I'll just wake up with like one of them just like stuck to the top of my eyelid like so I have to like crimped. very carefully <laughs> yeah very carefully peel it off oh I love that yeah no yeah. I totally okay here's my question for you since you were a dancer and you did strip lashes I usually just do strip lashes now because they're like economical they're quick I do want to yeah. try lashify now that you've said like that you like them but my problem with strip lashes is do you ever feel like they're too heavy on your eyes like I feel like I get a headache and I can't really see sometimes yeah I definitely had that problem with a lot of strip lashes um, I was using, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but the Morphe ones mm-hmm. where like they're a little more natural looking and a little lighter. So those ones are better. Mm-hmm. The Lashify ones, you can go for like more natural lashes or the super dramatic ones. And if you place them correctly, because apparently the goal is that they don't sit too close to your waterline and that way mm-hmm. it's, they don't, you don't feel it and they don't poke you. Like, you know, if you wear the strip lashes and they're a little bit too long and they're just like stabbing you in the eye all day long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you avoid that situation. So like the ones I'm putting on now, for example, are like a, it's like a blend of like black and brown fibers and they're mm-hmm. like a lighter one. So it looks more like if I actually had normal eyelashes and not my short straight ones. Oh, okay. See, that's like so much better. Cause I feel like sometimes when I try to use, like, I can't use like normal, like white people strip lashes. Cause I look like they're just so like, they're not made for my eye shape. Long story yeah, yeah, short. Yeah, yeah. 
Like they're just too long, too big, too like everything. I look like those like dolls with the thick ass like eyelashes. Like yeah, no, they just, I like, feel open that. And close. I can't. I, can't I feel that. that. And like some yes. people that can totally rock like the heavier ones, and they like mm-hmm. look good, and they're all like glam and whatever. But I don't know. I feel like for me, it just I would look like a five year old trying to dress like my mother. Like there are some lashes that are bigger in size than like my whole eye. <laughs> like I, I, I can't. I like the strip ones. I used to have to cut them because my eyes are yeah. too small yeah mm-hmm. same I know I know Asian girl props but anyways okay well I'm glad that we got to the bottom of that because I just like had to know how Lashify was um if it was worth the hype but I also have another question about hype so I'm considering yes. moving to California after I graduate <gasps> I know I know I want to be a Californian <laughs> yes um, Join the dark but side. I, I know, I know. But I'm just curious, like, what are your vibes? Because I I was being real creepy and, like, looking up your whole life history. So I know that you were you were born in, or not born, maybe, like, raised around, like, SoCal, right? Like, grew yeah. up in SoCal. But then yeah. now you're a NorCal girl. So give me the breakdown of NorCal versus SoCal, in your opinion. Okay. So, yes, you're correct. And it's not creepy because Connie has also stalked you. Also, like, when you got engaged, I stalked you. <laughs> Which is oh. why, like, I know that your boyfriend is a little bit nerdy, like mine is. Sorry, your fiance. <laughs> oh no, not even. Uh, you know what's so funny? I'm not even used to saying fiance, but also I'm like, girl, not even a little nerdy. We're the full-on nerdy package. <laughs> Love you, Jimmy. Well, fine, fine, but I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, Brian and I are both from Southern California. So I was born in Orange County. I. So I grew up like close-ish to the beach. I would say the general vibe in Southern California, it really varies between like Los Angeles versus Orange County versus like San Diego. So of course, Mm -hmm. making like generalizations here, but Orange County, I feel like isn't as chill as it maybe seems like it is. Um, Mm. LA, I think is the same. Like LA, it's almost like the New York of California, but definitely not as, not as like full on, I would say, but um. Mm. When I was living in San Diego, which I did between undergrad and grad school, like San Diego felt a lot more diverse and a lot more chill. Um, I Mm. think Orange County um, is definitely more conservative politically as well. So I, I felt that more when I was growing up and didn't really realize it until I went to college up in the Bay Area where I was like, oh, it should be normal for me to have classmates that like look more like me and have had life experiences like me because I went to very, uh, white high school and white middle school which like I loved my classmates but like I didn't it was just not diverse at all Mm -hmm. what about (laughs) food oh the food's better and well okay in general the food is better in northern California that being said um like San Diego will have better Mexican food for sure but you can find good options in the Bay Area and in terms of like Asian foods um there's like a very large Vietnamese population in Orange County. So like there's real bomb Vietnamese food and some good Chinese food as well. But I think there's more like diversity and representation of different foods in the Bay Area. Like I had Ethiopian food for the first time when we moved here. Brian had Ethiopian food for the first time like two months ago. And like you just wouldn't find that in Orange County, at least when I was growing up there. Mm-hmm. Um so I would say Northern California seems like, yeah, it's a little more liberal and like techie in general, but I think the Bay Area is more chill. Whereas in like Northern California, like rich people don't dress like they're rich. They wear like what looks like normal clothes, except it costs like $3,000 and they secretly uh, like have founded three companies, but like you wouldn't know by talking to them. 
Whereas I think generally the experience in Southern California, particularly in Orange County, like you can tell when people have money by like how they look and how they present themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And like, again, totally a generalization. Like I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's folks of both sides where it's not that case, but for what I've seen, it is that way. But like Southern California, if I were to move back, I would move to San Diego. I was actually just going to say, it's so interesting when you mentioned how your upbringing, I I think I, I had a very similar upbringing. I mean, I had like some Asian classmates here and there but the thing is like uh where I grew up in Rhode Island it's kind of a similar vibe in certain places it's uh some areas are like more conservative than others I was Mm -hmm. usually the only Asian person there and I grew up thinking that this is such a sad thought now I realized recently I grew up thinking that like I could never be pretty because I knew I could never have blue eyes and I knew I could never have blonde hair like I knew I could be pretty for me like as pretty yeah. as I could potentially be. But I feel like as a child, I had this thought that like, oh, but I could still never be the prettiest because the prettiest is going to be blonde, blue hair. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Blonde yeah. eyes, wait, no, blue eyes, blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> blue yeah. hair, blue hair is hot now. <laughs> yeah, and like, so speaking of which too, I really like talking to like in particular young minority female providers because I'm about to, you know, graduate and become one of you guys. Um, I want to hear more about like, just like finding your voice kind of, and like jumping into the workplace and, you know, finding yourself confidence as a provider when so much of our upbringing was like these things ingrained in us saying like, oh, you'll never be the prettiest, blah, 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 things like that. Yeah. So I definitely think um, the learning curve, like, so college, I felt like was its own beast for me coming from. Orange County and moving up to the area where I just was exposed to like so much more diversity in all of the ways. And like, that was a culture shock in of itself. So I think there was a lot of like self-discovery that happened in college for me. Um, And when I like started coming out of my shell a little bit, um, the one like really good thing I had in Orange County was I was part of the Polynesian dance community. So it was kind of a strange, uh, juxtaposition and is actually something that I talked about in like my application essay for college was like I would go to school and have this like very homogeneous experience and then I would like go home and go to dance practice and like be able to feel comfortable like in my skin and with my skin and with my life experiences because the people around me had such a variety of experiences too and we were able to express ourselves through our culture and um, so that helped me in terms of like developing leadership skills and feeling comfortable like being in front of other people because I was dancing in front of people I was like helping with teaching the kids and that's also a big reason why I work in pediatrics now is because I loved working with kids so I had that and I think it kind of just blossomed a little bit more in college um but honestly grad school was (laughs) really hard (laughs) so um the imposter syndrome like I've had I had it like every step of the way Um, and I think it was the worst when I went to grad school because I had made all of these decisions spent so much of my money and my family's money to like get to this point and I was like what if this isn't what I'm supposed to do what if I can't do it um so nursing school I was like very hard (laughs) so I did like a three-year program to become a nurse practitioner and by the end of it I definitely had transformed into I would say more of a real version of myself and the cool thing is that Brian and I have been together so my boyfriend Brian we've been together for 12 and a half years now um we met in high school so we've seen each other grow since then um and him and I both saw like the person that I was in high school compared to who I was in grad school and that I was more just comfortable being myself and being weird 
and being more honest about like my mental health, I think was a big thing too. Um, and like, I didn't really feel comfortable standing up for myself or being honest about how I was feeling until I was in nursing school learning about mental health. And I had always been fascinated by like psychology, mental health, psychiatric healthcare. Um, so I think that was also a big step for me was being okay with not being okay and being able to talk about it. Because another thing about growing up in a semi-Asian household, um, we just didn't talk about our feelings and like in school, never talked about our feelings, but home didn't talk about them. Um, so I got very comfortable with just repressing how I was feeling and just like hiding it away and trying to move on. But like your body can only handle that for so long. And for me, it was really affecting my ability to be the best version of myself. So I think once I started coming to terms with like, I'm not always going to be okay. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to learn from them. Um, was when I started kind of feeling comfortable moving forward, even if I wasn't as like quote unquote successful as I wanted to be. So starting my job, I think I started in a pretty good place. Um, but I like did not feel comfortable in my job until maybe like the first six months or so. And working in a surgical specialty, I think was also unique because being in neurosurgery, I was surrounded by these like excellent, super intelligent neurosurgeons and I was very intimidated by it. Um, but the one like beautiful thing about my team is like the majority of my colleagues were minority women, except for like my attendings. But for example, right now our whole team, except for one resident is female. So my two wow. attending neurosurgeons are women. Um, and it's like uh, some percentage, it's like, I want to say like 10 to 15% of neurosurgeons are female. So I think I, I got lucky in a sense where I had my first job in a space where I didn't feel the way that I felt like when I was younger, where I felt like I was the only one with like my kinds of experiences. Mm -hmm. um, so I just felt super supported. And I think it's a really important thing to try to find in your first job. Not everyone, you know, has the ability to wait to find that perfect position to start with. Sometimes you start somewhere and will like end up chasing what's going to be the best fit for you but honestly being with the right team is so huge because I felt comfortable asking questions I felt comfortable like making mistakes and learning from them um, and being able to speak up because I have prior classmates or colleagues that work in different teams where they just feel intimidated they're not supported and like their work experience especially through COVID was drastically different compared to mine um and not to say that working during COVID wasn't hard and working in a surgical specialty wasn't hard. It totally is. But I think I've been able to cope better and become a better provider because I've been so well supported so far. Mm. When you were looking for jobs um, and like trying to choose what's best for you, did you have any like green flags? Like how can you tell that like a work environment is a good work environment because a lot of times it's like you're reading mm. these profiles online is mm -hmm. you don't get a sense of that like interpersonal uh what is it it's, it's called like intangible assets or something like the stuff that mm -hmm. really matters yeah 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 um so I think for me my clinical rotations helped me uh kind of realize the work environment that was going to be the best fit for me so mm. I had like some clinical rotations where my preceptors like would talk down to other staff or would be a little bit hostile or, you know, would be a certain way with their patients and then act a different way, like behind workroom doors. And I, that made me very uncomfortable. And then when I, my last rotation was in 
neurology and like my preceptor was like great at giving me like positive feedback. She was great at like taking the time and space to chat with me about how things were going and what I wanted out of my career. And I actually was lucky to be working in the same workroom as the team that I work with now. So Mm -hmm. I actually was able to see them working and interacting with each other and kind of had like an informal interview before my actual interview. So I already kind of knew that I got along with them. So I would say if possible, trying to shadow a team you're interested in or talking to someone that's worked there before is going to be really valuable. Of course, you take that with a grain of salt because it's like Yelp reviews. You have to like think about, you know, there's always going to be those little nuggets where they've had just like a drastically horrible experience compared to everyone else. Um, Mm -hmm. But when possible, I think that's ideal. And things to look at is like how long they're able to retain their employees for. So if they're like cycling through people every year, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. they have like providers and staff that have been there for like five, 10 years, like one of my colleagues has been with them for 20 years. um, That just shows me that like they have built like loyalty within their team and that they want to stay there. And even through the ups and downs of medicine, healthcare, whatnot, that they felt like they would be best in this position still. Um, Mm, That totally makes sense. But yeah, no, it's tricky because you can't always do that, especially if you're moving like across the country or to a different state. But when possible, trying to like call in or have a Zoom call or when you're interviewing, ask if you can shadow. When I interviewed for my job, it was like a full day interview where I met a lot of people individually. And then when I was waiting, I was sitting in their workroom. So I was able to kind of see how things were going like in the middle of a busy clinic. Um, Mm. And I think that was super helpful. And tell me a bit too, a a lot of my audience is actually uh, dentistry. So I'm sure a lot of us are really curious, like, what are some of the nuances that like you might not know, the typical person might not know about working in pediatric, like neurosurgery, like both positive and like the challenges? Hmm. Um, I think a really positive thing that I see working in pediatric neurosurgery, which I think you would see in dentistry a lot as well, is just how much we are able to change our patients' lives in like a short amount of time. So I'm able to see kids with my attendings and we can like provide solutions that, you know, aren't going to be something that like, we're going to have to wait years and years and years to see the positive effects of like, we will, you know, find a brain tumor. My surgeon will take out said brain tumor. We will follow them to make sure the brain tumor doesn't come back. But like, it's very rewarding to have that like immediate improvement. Um, which Mm -hmm. not every, which not every healthcare professional has. And not to say that's the only way that like your job is going to like be rewarding. But I think for me, it's very like satisfying that we have Mm -hmm. that. And then on the flip side, you know, of course there are those situations in medicine where things are going to go really badly, regardless of what you do, or you're not going to see positive effects, no matter how hard you try. Um, And I think what's the big downside in neurosurgery is like, the disparities in care based on like where my patients are coming from and what their lived experiences are. Um, And I try like my best to treat every single patient and family the exact same way, regardless of where they're coming from. But if we're thinking about like transportation or the ability for a family to find like childcare or a family's ability to like have a discussion with a healthcare provider about the best options for care, like it just can really affect my patients and their outcomes. Um, Mm. So that can be discouraging to see because I wish it wasn't that way. And as much as like I try in my individual way to 
provide the best care regardless of the situation, like our system is broken. So I think that's the big downside, which isn't unique to neurosurgery, but I think in like the context of like kids with brain tumors, especially like I can see that disparity, like families that are more able to access resources compared to families that like don't know the signs to watch out for. And then maybe are getting care later than what you would want. Right. And when you think about the context of like what you work in, you know, children with brain tumors and brain conditions, that's got to be like, it seems like the heaviest of heavy things. Like what I'm personally curious about in your day to day is like, what have you learned about having to have those like difficult conversations with family members, like delivering sad news, delivering difficult news, um, like helping your fit, the families of the patients and the patients manage grief and things like that. Do you have any like advice Mm -hmm. I think my one piece of advice for like how we ourselves view it as healthcare professionals is to recognize that there's only so much that we can do and that we can't have the expectation that like, you know, we're not, we are not superheroes as much as we see the healthcare hero, like stuff and whatever, like we have this knowledge and we can use it for good and we can positively impact our patients and their families. But like, there's going to be certain situations where like, it's just the way it is. You can't take this brain tumor away. You can't take this condition away. All that you can do is provide them with the information to make a decision that's going to be best for them and their family. Um, So I try to come in with that humility rather than coming in with the thought that like I'm coming here and I'm providing them this service and that I'm like so great. I kind of come in at like their level side by side because that's what healthcare should be. And what medicine mm-hmm. should be. It's a team. So for me, like I'm hand in hand with these kids' families taking care of them. And I'm just providing this aspect for them that they don't have. Um, so when I have these conversations, I meet families where they're at and try to understand like what they do know about what we're looking for or what their kid has, and then giving them the information to understand like what this means what are the risks and benefits of the interventions that we're recommending and what the prognosis might be. And I try to just be as transparent as possible while still being professional. Um, And I think like a beautiful thing about working with kids is like being able to build rapport with kids, I think is a little bit easier because like I get to just be silly with a lot of my patients. Like I love working with babies because I like have a gift of making babies smile more than some people do. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know if you have the touch. Yeah, I yeah, no, you have like something. <laughs> yeah, but like the baby, like I've had babies laugh and then their families are like, they never do that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just a gift I have. Uh, <laughs> even oh though my I God, I could so see. <laughs> if, if, if you were like a superhero, you would like be like the giggle superhero. Like you would have like a G <laughs> on your like cave and you'd be like the one that yeah. can like make everyone giggle. I, that is like yeah. so you. I mean, like you make no, me, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm like, do I have the intellectual level of a baby? Probably. Um, <laughs> but you make <laughs> me giggle at least, so... <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, being able to build rapport with your patients, I think is super important because we're all human at the bottom of it. And I think trying to take away the like stiffness that I think we've seen in healthcare and medicine has been helpful for me, at least because like as a kid, like when I was terrified of going to the doctor's office, it was because I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't feel like I could speak up or be honest or contribute to decisions being made. So I try to like involve kids in their care, depending on where they're at in development and making sure that like I'm conducting the visit in the way that the family wants. Like some parents don't want their kids in the room when we're talking about like the more heavy stuff. Um, 
or like with teenagers, like I talk to them rather than to their family, because this is about them and their body. And ultimately they are going to become adults that are going to be responsible for themselves. So you're like, it's impossible to avoid the like uncomfortable conversations or like quote unquote difficult families, because like, I could not imagine going through what some of my families go through. So I think Mm. being honest about that and trying to not minimize the emotions that my patients and families are feeling has been really helpful. And just being honest about like, you know, I, I don't know what the end result is going to be. Like we are in this together, but at every step of the way, I'm going to let you know, like what our team is thinking and what we're recommending. And like at any time, like, let us know if something doesn't make sense. If you have questions, um, happy to talk about things again, because we throw a lot of information at people. Um, and I feel like yeah. healthcare, like the way that it's set up, it's not really, or the way that our system is, the way that we're trained, the way we think we have to be as providers, it's not really always set up to be like all that comforting either. Because like when I no. think to what you typically think of like success, surgery, like neurosurgery, I, one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast for young women in healthcare is because I just felt like the climate was so stiff and like, it almost makes you as a woman or a young woman in healthcare, a lot of times feel like you have to make yourself more masculine to be taken seriously, Yeah, which is one of the things. So I wanted to ask you when you think of like your career and all of like the female mentors and people that you looked up to, that were providers like what were some of their traits that like you think like our system would benefit more from like like what are the traits of some of your like heroes in the field that you've worked in that are women in particular um or or males if they're awesome but I mean like this is the, that's the focus. <laughs> so I think like when I think about my mentors so far that were women um whether they were in healthcare or not I think was the biggest thing I think was them being authentic to themselves. So preceptors that I had in school that like were faced with examples where, you know, families would mistake the male med student to be the physician and think that the female person in the room is not um, because they're a woman, like those situations, like the best way to, yeah. Oh yeah. The best way to combat that is through action. So for me, I, you know, especially when I don't have these lashes on, I look way younger. So when I walk into the room and start talking neurosurgery, um, especially if I'm in the room first and introduce myself, I think sometimes families give off the impression to me, at least that they're expecting me to be very green and not maybe know what I'm talking about. Um, And I just try to push through that and just do my thing, regardless of what kind of energy they're giving me, because ultimately I know what I know and what I don't know. Um, Mm And I try to kill them with kindness <laughs> uh, because I think if I try to like give off that energy back, it's just not going to end well. So I think the preceptors that I've had, like, especially in pediatrics were the ones that like were able to have fun with their kids and kind of knew how far to push it in terms of like being silly or being completely themselves. Um, I had female mentors that, you know, dressed the way that they wanted to, not the way that they were expected to. Um, you know, sometimes in healthcare, like I want to just throw on a white coat so that people are more likely to think I'm a provider and have Mm -hmm. a little bit more authority in terms of like what I'm saying in my role. Um, but a lot of my mentors did not do that. They dressed the way that they wanted to, and they were just themselves and they built that rapport with their patients and with their families. Um, 
because it takes time. And like the best way to break down these stereotypes is just to be authentically ourselves, because I think that's how we maintain happiness as well. Like I, I want to be able to be myself and be happy in my job and have the people that I work with accept me for who I am and what I do. Of course, there's a certain level of professionalism you need to hold. Like you don't want to share confidential information. You don't want to like compromise to your family. Yeah. All of that. Like that's like the basics of like being like a kind, humble, decent human being. Um, Right. I think surprisingly more people should learn. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm like, how do we not filter this out? Yeah. Right. I feel like the thing too is it's just so exhausting not being yourself. Like it's more work. It's like you're putting on a mask and when someone is authentic, it's like so empowering to the people around them because then it's Mm -hmm. almost like, oh, they can be themselves. Like maybe I can be myself then. Like it's just contagious. Authenticity is contagious, Um, which also leads me to a little, not so little thing that you were recently involved in. I feel like this is just like, so I'm so excited for you. This is like, (laughs) so basically little miss katie over here she was in a target photo shoot for (laughs) tabitha brown's line it was a line right like a collection yeah 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 yeah. it's for her collection which is all about you know inclusivity authenticity and being true to yourself which i thought was just incredible so i just want to hear all about this give me the deeds photo shoot what it was like working did you get to meet tabitha (laughs) yeah yes 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 i did i met her and she's delightful so um and backstory to the line so Tabitha Brown I honestly did not know who she was until I went to this photo shoot and I immediately what? looked her up when I saw her name on the label I know I don't know what hole I was living in but I didn't know who Tabitha Brown was <laughs> oh my but gosh she just I mean she does everything she's like a vegan chef she's a huge social media person she's a mom she's just like a powerhouse of a human being and she's also just an absolute sweetheart in all of the ways. Um, and she's definitely that way in person too. Um, Mm. so she is, I want to say she's the first, she might be the first woman of color to have a line with target. Don't quote me on that, Mm. but basically it's a big, big deal that she did this line with target and she has a few more that are coming out, but this first one, what she wanted to do is she wanted to have the models be women that she related to in some way or another. Um, and she did like a social media post on this where she like talked about each of us and kind of what we do and why like we are kind of like a piece of her in a way. Um, so when they were casting for the models, they were trying to be very intentional about who they were choosing and Tabitha was like involved in that process. Mm. So there was me and then there were two social workers. There was a vegan chef, um, there were some like really incredible nonprofit owners. Um, there was a veteran, um, all women, all from different, like very different walks of life. Um, mm. And of course, I didn't know any of this until I got there because the way that I was invited to this was I got like an email that for those of us that are in the social media content creator, I hate those words, um, <laughs> base. Um, when you are working with like other companies or when you're like providing your email, um, you're going to get all of these like spammy ish looking emails from like different marketing companies and whatnot. So I get this email inviting me to be part of like a confidential target shoot. 
And I looked at it and I was like, this can't be real, but I left it on on red so that I could look at it at another time. Um, mm-hmm. And the person sent like a follow-up email. So the first one looked more like a template in a way. And the second yeah. one like, looked a little bit more personal. So I like looked at it again. And then I looked up the casting company and realized that it was a legit company. Um, and this casting company actually tries to uplift a lot of minority women, LGBTQ folks to be in spaces where traditionally they haven't been. Um, so I was like, okay. And I looked at the email address to make sure that the person emailing me was like from this casting company. So I like emailed them back and like asked a little bit more information about it. So they told me like it was in LA. Um, it was a target collaboration and they wouldn't be able to share who it was with until we got there for like privacy reasons. Oh, Um, I see. And then like when it would be. So basically I made it work. Um, the way that I applied for it was I had to send over like my measurements, the answers to some questions. And then I had to do like a video of myself. (laughs) I recorded a video in my living room. I can't even remember what I was wearing. I picked some random clothes and was like walking around and then like introduced myself. Um, because I guess that's something that models do and they do like go sees or whatever, when you go into like offices and like, you have to walk around so they can see how you look and then um, talk. And that's how they pick their models for things. So I did that, but over video. And then like a week or two later, they were like, okay, like they, if you can make these certain dates, they would like you to come. And then sent me like all of the information for it. I like managed to get a day off of work so that I could go because I was there for like two days. Um mm-hmm. They didn't ask me for any sketchy information. They sent me a contract design, like everything was legit. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I flew into LA and then they um, put me in like a nice hotel and I had like a private driver that like drove me to Malibu. <laughs> what is oh happening? Oh my God. Was it <laughs> part of you at all? Like, what if this is a scheme? <laughs> like, was any yeah, part of you like, like that? <laughs> oh, for sure. I was like, what am I getting myself into? And Brian was like, don't do anything that you don't want to do. If yeah. they ask you to do something and you're not comfortable, just leave. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, Jimmy would be the same. He'd be like, if there's a couch, a sketchy looking couch, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I show up in Malibu at this building. Um, and the first day was like trying stuff on. So when I was in the uh, dressing room, I like saw all the clothing with the tags with Tabitha's name on it. So I like looked her up oh, yeah. and like five minutes later, I saw her walk by. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna shit my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that I know who she was, I probably would have. Uh, Yeah. Oh my (laughs) god. Yeah, during the shoot, she like made an effort to come over and spend a few minutes with each of us, just like talking to us and telling us like why she wanted to do this. Um, and she like asked me about my job and what I do and like what my favorite thing is about my job. And she's just like she's very real and she was super sweet. Um but yeah, I was terrified because I was like, there's going to be a bunch of models and then there's going to be me and I'm like yeah. awkward and anxious and I don't know how to like, I can, <laughs> I can take one photo out of like 300. So I was like, yeah, they're yeah, just going to yeah. get nothing Same. good out of me. Yeah. So it's just not going to go well, Same. but everyone like had very little experience with it. So it was just very comfortable, but we had like professional hairstylists, professional makeup artists, like all of the target people were there. Like one of the big target marketing ladies like walked up to me and she was like, she basically said hi to me. And she was like, oh, I know a lot about you. We were stalking your um, Instagram. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like, you're like, I you need saw to hide. that stuff? I was like, yeah, I yeah. need to hide right now. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And I didn't know exactly like what they were going to do with the material and whatnot, but it was, yeah, a really cool experience. I don't know if I would ever want to necessarily model again in that kind of capacity, mm-hmm. but it was super fun. Isn't that like so incredible how like, we were just talking about how as a child, you weren't used to seeing people that looked like you like we used to think like that we could never be conventionally what was like pretty and now like literally you're like you are a model you can call yourself a model yeah yeah yeah. it's just like your story I mean like it's just like goes full circle and it's just like so beautiful (laughs) same for you Connie since we have a lot of similar experiences it sounds like oh yeah I'm still waiting for Tabitha to reach out so I'm like, Tabitha, give me some details about you. Maybe I can see how we relate. We're pretty similar to I bet. <laughs> Just give me a chance. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, that's she has so nice funny. teeth. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Oh my gosh, she does have nice teeth. You're right, she does have nice teeth. You can be a um, dentist or something and then do a shoot with her. Oh my gosh, that would be absolutely goals. Tabitha, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm like, if anyone of Tabitha's teeth listening, hit me up. Everyone, send this to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyways, thank you so much, Katie. This was so much fun. I could just go like on and on and on with you. You're someone that like literally shines through the camera, the video screen so well. Um, I could see why you would totally crush that like video, um, interview and all that. Cause you're just like so authentically you, like we were talking about, it's beautiful. So just leave everyone with your like social media details where we can find you and yeah. Sure. So I'm mainly on Instagram. I just started a TikTok. I still don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, oh, same. I, I just started too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me just copy Instagram, paste Instagram. Yeah, literally. Um, so both. My handle is KDBTNT, K-A-T-Y-B-T-N-T. Um, and if anyone has any questions about like being a woman in healthcare, trying to figure out what path you want to take, mental health while working in medicine, literally anything, uh, my email is KDBTNT at gmail.com. Um, and Connie, thank you for having me. You're so sweet. You like, I feel like we already know each other, even though this is the first time we're talking face to face. <laughs> oh yeah. Isn't that like incredible? Cause I feel like I've known you for years and years. I mean, at this point we have known each other for years and years, but yeah, totally. I, I really feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Social media friendships are special for sure. Anyways, thank you so much again, Katie. Um, that is it for Katie's episode. If you guys like what you heard, please leave a review and I will see you guys next week. Bye. Yeah.